Hi, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a senior director at CFGI, and this is the program where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. Today, we're going to have a really interesting conversation about leadership. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Daniel Harris, who's the CEO of Muddy Boots Leadership and also the author of On Guard, The Four Pillars of Leadership. Dan, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thanks, Dave. Good morning. How are you? Uh, awesome. Thanks for being here. You've got a very interesting Backstory that I'd like you to share with the audience to introduce yourself, if you would, please. Sure thing. Uh, so I just wrote the book uh, on, on guard, the four pillars of leadership, uh, in which uh, I define the four pillars as courage, love, integrity, and passion. And uh, the book is really to inspire people. Uh, it's to inspire the leader that's that's within you. I believe that we all have leadership characteristics and traits within us. And the only reason why perhaps you're not in the forefront yet is because you have not met that one thing or event that's going to get your blood boiling, that, that's going to allow you to step up and, uh, and, and take charge. And right. it's just a matter of time. The interesting thing is you're not coming out of an, an academic perspective. You're coming from a military perspective. Would you share that with the audience, please? Yes, that's correct. Um, so spent... Uh, 30 years uh, in the military, just, just uh, newly retired. More than 30 years, 20 years on active duty and about 11 years on, in the reserve side of the National Guard. And um, as with all of us in the military, we know we, we have only two jobs, really. And that is you're either in command or you're on staff supporting a commander. <laughs> so right. uh, during those years, I've learned and picked up lots of uh, leadership uh, examples. I've seen what right looks like uh, working for great commanders and, and with great staff. And I've also seen what wrong looks like <laughs> uh, to learn uh, what to avoid in, 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 both, in both commanders, senior commanders and staffs. Yeah, it's interesting. That really resonates with me because, you know, in the business world, I've worked for some great leaders and I've worked for some, you know, not so great leaders. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that sort of inspired me to put my book together, but what inspired you to actually take the time and energy to write a book about this? Well, I tell you, leadership, I think, is that last frontier uh, in which we can really, with proper leadership, you can get a team to uh, perform extraordinarily. And it's the ability to have many act as one and thereby produce results of lethality, so to speak. Yeah. So if you look at a fire team um, with, a, with a squad leader and his two Alpha and Bravo team leaders, okay, that team acting as one under that, that, that guidance of that squad leader can, can produce awesome results. And so you take that same concept and translate it into the business where you don't have many bosses, you don't have uh, people questioning or doubting or undermining the leader, but uh, they're all acting in concert because they've bought into the program. And of course, the, the leader has to create this culture uh, and nurture it within that team that's going to allow for that. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one that, that if we can elevate and get to that point, uh, we'll be able to produce some extraordinary results. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the four pillars being courage, love, integrity, and passion. That's correct. I want to start with the most woo-woo of the group there, if you don't mind, because I want to call you out on it. Love. Why is love a leadership characteristic? 
Well, I tell you, we look at examples uh, throughout history. Uh, we've had uh, both on both sides. You look at the person, Jesus Christ, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, uh, Kennedy, you know, people who demonstrated strong leadership with the element of love. At the same time, you look at other leaders throughout history, uh, Hitler, Stalin, uh, and, and Pinochet, et cetera, and I talk about some of them in the book, um, who are absent of that characteristic, and you see the result. History uh, more or less paints the picture for, for yeah. both of them. And it's such a strong characteristic that uh, you know, leaders decide to fall on your sword for it. Okay, it's the element that's going to allow you to elevate and build and grow and develop people. It's not about you. It's about the people. And it's about what you are uh, developing and growing them for to elevate them to that next le level where they'll experience uh, their own uh, deep, uh, I would say, strength in, in, in delivering uh, whatever it is they're working on. Um, I tell you, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do, but um, it is one that is so rewarding. When you can leave someone else better than you met them, you've, you've made some improvement in their lives. Um, they, it, it, it unleashes or it opens up that wellspring of creativity that people have in them. And, and it leads to innovation, builds innovative ideas. And the results, just, uh, it's just incredible. Yeah, definitely not easy to do. So how do you take that concept into the business world and take a business person who probably didn't grow up in that kind of a mindset and get them to start to lead in that fashion? Mm. I'll tell you, interesting. It's a, that's, that's a good question. Uh, it starts with caring. You have to care for, the t for your team members. And you have to hold yourself responsible and accountable for your team members. Everything from top to bottom. We call it soup to nuts in the yeah. military, right? Um, it starts with we are embarking on a mission or an objective. And, you know, I look at you and you just don't appear to be on the, on, on, on the edge of your game, right? And... You, you, want to, you, you want to peel that onion a little bit deeper to understand what's going on with your team member before you, you go out on something. Uh, it also means that you're competent enough and you're confident in their competencies that you will allow them to have some autonomy in how they do their work. Okay? There's not going to be the prescriptiveness of uh, telling them how you want something done versus this is the objective. I trust you've been trained. I trust you know your job well, which most businesses do. When you go to work for company A, uh, typically they'll send you for training and you'll have some you know, left seat, right seat with whomever you're replacing, what have you. And at some point you're ready to work. Now, if you do need instructions or you need some guidance, well, there is someone that you can always tap onto. But where you have leaders are hovering, I call it the helicopter leader. Yeah, we call them the micromanagers. <laughs> okay, they're hovering over. Uh, leave no room for uh, development, no room for that individual expressing themselves in how they get that work done. And uh, you're not going to get creativity. You're not going to get any, 
innovative uh, ideas coming from that person. Yeah, and innovation is where the magic starts to absolutely. happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that, that is good stuff. So for those of you who are watching and listening and want to know more about Dan or how you can get in contact with him, learn more about Muddy Boots Leadership, what's the best way for them to reach you, Dan? It's, uh, the website is www.muddybootsleadership.com. And uh, that's, uh, uh, once you get onto that website, you will see how to contact us. And you can... Uh, send us email and or a phone call. Great. I want to tackle some of the other topics in the book. And we've only got about a few minutes left in this first segment. So yes. I'm going to move down to my list because I, I want to make sure we have more time for uh, some of these other ones. But mm. let, let, let's talk about millennials. Mm. I know you mentioned it in the book, and there's a lot of folks in the business world who just don't get it. Yes. Um, you know, they when, when we were back in the office, uh, the, the millennials show up with the earphones in. And as I always say, <laughs> they may be wearing the earphones, but they're not tuned out. Correct. What, what's your perspective on millennials? I tell you, uh, and, and that's a great uh, uh, perspective there, Dave, because I think uh, for the first time in our existence, we have up to five generations working in, in a workplace or on a particular team. It is not uncommon to see people from the veteran era we're talking the 50s, 60s, uh, who are still in the workplace today. Mixed with them are your baby boomers, your generation Xers, your millennials, and your, and your, your post, right? Um, and it's good for a leader to understand that each of these generations, I mean, generally speaking, broadly speaking, right, um, these generations are motivated differently to work. And one size doesn't fit all. So I cannot take what motivates a veteran era to try to use that same uh, tactic or tool to motivate a millennial because it's different generations. And you need to understand as a leader, uh, in order to get these people to open up that wellspring of creativity and bring their innovation uh, self to work, you need to know what motivates them. So, you know, we, we prejudge the millennials. You know, we think they're disengaged, uh, the anti-establishment and so on and so forth. I would I would submit quite the contrary. I couldn't agree with you more. They, they, yeah, they're very they, very they much in tune. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. And um, you have to understand the history of what has gotten millennials to where they're at. And primarily, it's based on them growing up, watching their parents go through what I call the ringer with the old structure, work structure, yeah. dedicated their lives and put everything on the line. Um, and at the end of the day, it's cutbacks and, 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 and uh, you know, or, or losing their position or overseas, right. moving the, the, the businesses to overseas, and they're left with nothing. Yeah. Um, some millennials, have, you know, they've grown up watching this and their attitude towards work is slightly different from one that, say, you or I would have grown up with. Uh, millennials are motivated by causes, right? Your veteran era, baby boomers, those are motivated by their work. They're defined by their work. Hey, you know, I, I am the uh, executive assistant, or I am the executor, and I have a corner office, I have a secretary, I have a parking space. Um, all of these things make, you know, gives you a certain feeling. Well, if you flip to the other side, millennials, they, they don't want parking spaces. 
Right. They, they don't even want cars if, if they can right. help it, right? They just assume take a, uh, an Uber or a Lyft or, mm. or a subway bus to work. Yeah. Um, and the secretary, well, keep the secretary. They have a laptop. They have their planners and everything is, is, is on there for them. It's a different different generation. Uh, it, it's, it's mindful that a team member or a team leader understands that, hey, uh, Johnny, we understand that you support this particular cause. And oh, by the way, I've gotten the financial officer to, uh, we're going to donate a $500 check to that organization uh, in your name. Would you be willing to present that to, you know, to that organization? I tell you, when you do that, you think you're going to have Johnny's attention? Big time. I, I think you will. Yep, absolutely. You will. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I've seen is millennials always get this uh, reputation as being, as you said, uh, cause driven. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it as being uh, looking at work as something more than just what they do. Mm-hmm. They're, they're looking for the bigger purpose, the bigger mission. And the always. interesting thing that I found is that's true across the entire workforce, all mm-hmm. ages. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to take a quick pause. Dan, don't go anywhere. Are you <laughs> watching and listening? Stay right where you are. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Why buy local? When you shop with local businesses, you're spending your money on more than just the item you're buying. You're adding a building block to your neighborhood. It starts with a single purchase, maybe a cup of coffee, groceries from a local co-op, or even a shiny new bicycle from one of the nearly 28 million small businesses nationwide. Your money doesn't stay in the till for long, though. Local business owners use the money to create a lot of economic activity in your neighborhood, like buying from suppliers, many of whom are also local businesses paying taxes to the city, which builds and maintains the infrastructure we all rely on, employing local workers, contributing to 65% of the net new jobs each year. Add this all together and you've got a recipe for a happier, healthier, more connected neighborhood. Now that's an investment worth making. personal networking concierge and I host a show on RVN TV called Connect to Success where I interview power networkers in the greater Philadelphia and South Jersey area. So join me every week 12:30 on Thursdays during your lunch break and now on Fridays at 9 and 9:30 p.m. We'll see you next week. Hey everybody, welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about leadership with Dan Harris, who is the author of On Guard, The Four Pillars of Leadership. Um, Dan, I want to kick off this second segment by talking about a topic that you address in the book, among others, teamwork and motivation. You put them both in the same chapter. Um, So important to get anything done, military, business, what have you. Sports is a great analogy that I always like to use when talking about teamwork and so forth. But why don't you talk about that topic from your perspective and and the book's perspective? Okay. Thanks. Uh, So teamwork, and we hear a lot about that these days, you know, teamwork, teamwork, teamwork. Um, And when you really stop to think about it, what, what do we actually mean, right? It's getting many people acting in concert, 
towards a particular objective or towards getting something done. Right. Right? And therein lies the complexity. <laughs> Many different people acting as one right. in concert. Right. So how do you do that? Uh, I submit to you that the leader or the team lead is extremely important because that individual acts as the choreographer, as you will, in directing the, the flow of that, of that team. So, for example, um, I always go back to, you know, background, military, take a, a squad leader or perhaps even a, a, a platoon or even a company uh, of, of guys and gals, right? Uh, and they each have a leader. So in a company, it'll be a company commander. In a, in a, in a squad, it'll be a squad leader, right? Um, and the objective is to move in a particular direction to do something. And how do you do that when you have different individuals with different needs and different issues and what have you, given that particular day, any number of things that have taken place in their lives? Yeah. Um, it takes integrity from that leader, where that team understands that you're not, they're not going to be asked to do anything that that leader himself or herself cannot accomplish or complete or afraid to do or want to do. So it's zero degrees outside. It's wet, cold, and you know, just uncomfortable. Uh, but you're the leader sitting inside in a warm tent, and the troops are outside you know, slugging it out through, and you're barking out instructions on what you want done. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Being a team leader, uh, there are two things you got to keep in mind. There's something called critical time and place, right? And you always need to find that and place yourself there to drive that action towards completion of, for things to happen. So very, very important uh, in, in uh, getting things done. A good analogy, and I'll frame this for you this way. Take a lone violinist. This, this is to emphasize the importance of, of team for those who haven't quite uh, uh, brought onto it yet. Take a lone violinist playing a particular uh, classical art piece, right? By themselves, they sound fine. But now bring in an entire orchestra. Yeah. And you listen to that sound. By, by themselves, they sound you know, fine or sound good. But with an orchestra, they sound great. OK. Uh, and you'll have a leader there who is directing that, you know, that event. Uh, the members of that team, of that group, have bought into that leader's integrity, being present, demonstrating those things that I, that I talk about in the book, courage, love, yeah. uh, passion for what is being completed, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's the... Again, it's that last frontier of, of really bringing many to act as one towards a particular objective or, or work that we're trying to get done. Yeah, so for leaders, it, it's about the self-awareness and the understanding that mm -hmm. you know, there is this bigger picture and you've got to kind of resist your knee-jerk reactions to how you may ordinarily respond to certain things. and. Mm -hmm. Pause and, and recognize that everybody is unique. Everybody has different motivators, different drivers. But right. maybe acting in a consistent, 
fashion with integrity and as you say with love mm -hmm. you at least have a, a foundation from which to start because man Absolutely. I'll tell you it sounds like a lot of work right it, well it, and it is a lot of work yeah it's like parenting right parenting <laughs> it, it's, it's about love but yeah. it, it takes work to be a good it, parent and the same thing with leadership absolutely to be to be the boss or to be the the head or to be in charge uh, make no mistake it involves work yeah, but it's, you, it's worthwhile. It, it's worthwhile, particularly when you see the, 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 the work that's done or accomplished. And at the same time, the growth and development of the members, of the team members, as they go through that process. And knowing very well that you can step away and one of them can easily step in and continue seamlessly. You know, if you are the leader and when you step away, the whole thing flops. That means you're a very poor leader. Right. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Good leaders build more good leaders. Should always be working to replace themselves. Yeah. Should always be working to build that bench. Yep. Yeah. I want to give you a chance to talk about something that I know is near and dear to your heart. You've got a scholarship program that you're involved with in South Africa. You want to spend yeah. a minute or two and talk about that? So, yes, uh, that's in West Africa. Uh, oh, in, sorry. In, yes, in, in uh, Sierra Leone. And it's a scholarship program for girls. And this is from the perspective of looking again to, to, to build. Uh, we pay the tuition for a year. I have mm -hmm. 23 uh, students in the program at this time. The criteria is twofold, need-based. Uh, students who are in great need financially, uh, economically, and uh, very high academics. And so this is where we've been able to identify students who live in very austere conditions, but are still managing to do very well in school. And they're all girls. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking to empower women, empower females, just because we don't have a choice, Dave, in excluding a group of people for whatever reasons, when we're looking to leverage everything that we have to solve particular, you know, our problems, right? Tell me what sense does that make? <laughs> yeah. We, we're bringing in all guys or bringing in all one group of whoever to uh, sit and discuss or develop solution sets on a particular problem, but you purposely excluded, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a vital, piece of that that's going to bring in that perspective. It's, it's not in our interest to do so. Uh, so this effort is to empower girls, uh, help them pay the tuition uh, through schools. And it's very much needed because um, there are parents who sometimes pull their children out of school midway through the year just because they don't have the, uh, the money to, to, to continue to pay their school fees. And so this effort helps, helps to that. Um, it's, um, it's something that I feel very passionate about and, I, and, and very close to and, yeah. and personal with. Thank you for sharing that. Thank we you. have just a few more minutes to go in okay. the program, but I want to okay. sneak in one more topic if, if I could here. Okay. Yes. Um, in the book, you talk about crisis leadership. Crisis, COVID changed the way everything operates, the way Absolutely. we do business, the way we conduct ourselves. For some organizations going through a merger, acquisition, some kind of a transaction creates upheaval, yes. which from the employee perspective may feel like a crisis. So in the three or so minutes we have left here, Dan, what would you say to leaders who uh, are trying to understand how to best bring out their folks in times of crisis, mm -hmm. however that may be defined? Yes, well, uh, and, and this COVID uh, time is a particular example, right? Very good one. Uh, key thing I would say to leaders is pay attention to the resiliency of your people, 
How resilient are they to be able to not only cope with the crisis at hand, but also muster the energy and the focus to continue to move forward, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's a challenge. That's a challenge. And why is that? If we, if we were to peel the onion back and look at why is that? So resiliency is our ability to bounce back from some kind of a traumatic event and continue to work. Well, I would say COVID has been, right? It's come in and it has surgically attacked all of those things that uh, we typically define our lives by, uh, whether it's the social events of, you know, uh, getting together for Thanksgiving dinners yeah. or, or, you know, happy hour and so on and so forth. Uh, those things have all been taken away. And uh, now people feel like they're walking on jello. It's, it's just not, uh, it's not a stable platform. And that then leads to depression, uncertainty. Hey, what's going to happen next? Uh, and so on and so forth. And I will tell you, that is the responsible responsibility of the leader. Pay attention to those things and figure out what you can do to mitigate the impact on your team. Because the end state is, it's going to impact your bottom line. For if sure. you do not. Yeah. Okay. So selfishly, you have to pay attention to everything that's about the members or the person on your team. And resiliency is certainly one of them. Yeah. Dan, before we wrap here, why don't you tell folks how they can contact you if they want to learn more about you or how they can work with you? Yes. Um, so the website is www.muddybootsleadership.com. And that's www.muddybootsleadership.com. Uh, you can bring up the website, go to our contact page, contact us, and uh, you'll get instructions from there on how to how to reach me. Great. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I wish we had another That's hour to go quick. here, but uh, <laughs> it goes quickly here on Behind the Numbers. So thanks for joining us today, Dan. Thank you, Dave. And thank you for watching and listening wherever you are. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you know what we're up to going forward. And until we uh, meet again, everybody take care. I'm Dave Bookbinder. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers.